0: Hello, and welcome to Station Adjacent, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. My name is Justin Twyford. I'm joined, as always, by my friend and co-host, Stu Lennon. Hey, Stu, how are you
1: today? I'm in grand form, thank you very much. How are you, JT? I'm doing very well, and we have a special guest today,
0: TJ Cosgrove. How are you, TJ? Welcome <laughs> from Ireland.
2: Thank you. I'm good. It's, it's nice to be on the show. It's strange to be on a podcast other than your own. (laughs) It's pleasant, but, but all different, like going into someone
0: else's living room, which is something else we haven't done in 18 months. (laughs) (laughs) TJ is a friend of the show. He used to make wooden graphite, a YouTube video channel focusing on wooden graphite, the amazing pencil, some wonderful videos that he's got up there. Thank you. Check it out on YouTube. Uh, He's currently a podcaster. He makes his own show. 1857. With none other than Stu Lennon. He's a husband to a wonderful woman who got married last year. Mm -hmm. August. Yeah, coming up on her first anniversary, actually. Wow. Uh, So amazing. Marriage in a pandemic. What a weird idea.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's been strange. We basically got married and then not really seen very much of anybody since then. (laughs) Wow.
0: I could believe it too. And more importantly... You are the human to a wonderful dog, Blue. Yes. Tell me about Blue, because Stu and I quite often go on (laughs) dog tangents.
2: Well, Blue is our four-year-old black Labrador, uh, somewhat erroneously named. I think he was named for the color of his collar rather than the color of his coat, uh, because he's a very, very black Lab, which causes a lot of confusion with, with young children, mostly. My nephew, who's just learning how to sort of animals and dogs and colors and things like that, I was like, this is our dog. His name is Blue. And he kind of looked at me and paused for a beat. And he was like, "Mm, no, no, he is black. I'm like, yes, he's a black dog. But his name is Blue. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm." But Blue is, he's a wonderful pup. And he is, he's one of those dogs that kind of anticipates a lot of things. So if I get frustrated at Microsoft Word, which is what I was doing this afternoon, Mm -hmm. he kind of comes over and just lands his head on my lap and goes, dad don't worry about it it's not worth it just Microsoft Word. worried wouldn't worry about it <laughs> i'm gone yeah but it, i it deleted 13 pages of what i was working on today it's, it's really and he's like no it doesn't matter yeah, just it's easy yeah, don't worry about it and it just <laughs> as soon as he does that you go yeah it doesn't really matter does it it's grand <laughs> and i'm assuming he's a big boy too by the sounds of it yeah he's what 35 kilos and he's quite tall for for a labrador A lot of Labradors tend to be quite sort of barrely and bulky, and he's not. He's quite svelte and quite tall. So he's quite a tall dog. So let me try and, I have no idea how to put this in terms that are both international and easily understandable. He's kind of above coffee table height, but below 70 centimeter desk height. So somewhere in the middle region there. Mm, Very good. And as John Syracuse would say, he's a dog-shaped dog. He's a dog-shaped dog. If you drew uh, the silhouette of a dog, that's blue.
0: That is it. Not a little furball like mine. (laughs) Stu, can you imagine a dog that actually is caring and understanding when you hate Microsoft Word?
1: I think all dogs are. They're they're very intuitive, aren't they? They they know stuff, dogs. (laughs) Um, Have you met mine? (laughs) I mean, one of mine is similar to yours. In Spice is is half Shih Tzu, half Poodle, we think. Probably with a couple of other varieties in there as well. We got her very quickly after we'd lost Nero. Mm. And, you know, Margaret was still, well, I mean, we were both hurting, but Margaret was obviously traumatized by the whole Nero thing. If you haven't heard the story, it's um, episode something or other in 1857. And Spicer immediately took to Margaret and sort of tried to console her almost. It was wonderful to watch because I'm, I'm the one that does the dog walking. I do most of the dog feeding. So in theory, the dogs tend to gravitate to me as spice took one look at me and went okay you'll do but i'll go and see the boss (laughs) and has been that way ever since and charlie is my dog he follows me everywhere but again spice will just check with Mum, make sure everything's cool with her before before she comes down here to to work with me so i think dogs know stuff it's just you Mm. that's missing out just i took coco for a (laughs) walk this morning and my
0: dog is so stubborn Uh, we got about halfway through the walk and she just stopped and I had to pick her up and carry her for the rest of the walk. Mm. This is a not uncommon occur- occurrence with this puppy.
1: So I don't know. <laughs> she's spoiled. Therein may be the problem. She's she's won that battle and is just rubbing it in now.
0: <laughs> she has you well trained at least. Oh, she does. I have many times had to podcast with a dog on my lap because she's, I was making the joke. I was a little late. Barky my bark face was downstairs making a lot of noise. <laughs> if I'm not around, she's got used to me working at home. If I'm not around and I'm upstairs, which is where my recording studio is, she's barking for me to come down and deal with her. Uh, luckily, my daughter's awake, so uh, she's babysitting so that I don't have a hot 15-pound bundle of fur making my lap <laughs> sweat at the moment. Be grateful for small mercies. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, let's introduce 1857, because this is a podcast that you guys are on, mm-hmm. and part of the reason that we are all talking today, which we'll get to a little bit later. To who wants to tell me about 1857, just in case our listeners may not know all about your podcast?
1: Well, I mean, I think, first of all, we should be, be very straightforward about this, because I don't think TJ's got any intention of doing another episode. This is episode 183. Of 1857, oh, which is titled, We Are Officially Middle Class. <laughs> TJ, why is it titled that? Well, this is
2: one of those, and, and you're on the Apple ecosystem, so you probably have experienced this. This is an, a Siri overheard. So I was talking and then Siri kind of parroted back something to me. And I went, hmm, I don't know how to answer that. I was like, well, you weren't supposed to be listening. So we were chatting this afternoon, Megan and I. And she'd said that she wanted to get theatre memberships for the, the local theatre. And I went, oh, well, yeah, okay, that's where we're at. Okay, very fancy. All right, okay. And we we do enjoy the theatre, but this is another step beyond. And I went, oh, you know, we're officially middle class now, Megs. Kind of mocking her a little bit. And then Siri chimed in going, I'm not sure how to help you with that. We're officially middle class.
0: <laughs> Out of the mouth of tubes. <laughs> so
2: it was on my watch. Um. So I took a screenshot of it and sent it to Stu, who then just chucked it into the
1: episode and put me on the spot. Well, you know, little classics like that. When your tech just comes out (laughs) with the wittiest comment of the day, Mm. you think the the world is moving on. Biting satire. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs)
2: Said my 300 pound smartwatch. You're like, oh, yeah, okay.
1: Social commentary from your watch. (laughs)
0: Let's go into our regular part before we get into our topic and talk a little bit about more why TJ's on the show. Mm -hmm. Let's start with our tool of the week and our guest. TJ, why don't you go first and introduce something that had an impact on you this week? Okay. So the tool I've been using a lot, and I've actually
2: been using it for probably two months now, but it it really is making a difference every single day. It's an app called NutriCheck. It's based in the UK, and it's basically a little bit similar to MyFitnessPal or some of those other apps, and it's for calorie tracking. I'm trying to get a bit fitter at the minute. And so I'm doing a lot of health tracking and a lot of working out. Uh, And this app is really good because it's UK centric, which means it tracks a lot of the food and restaurants and and supermarkets that we have here versus some of the other ones which are very American, North America centric. And so I try and get, I don't know, a salad from from Asda or from Tesco and it would go, do you mean this from Trader Joe's? And I'm like, (laughs) no, I don't. But I kind of have to guesstimate. And so you're always kind of being like, well, it's probably two thirds of whatever this is because it's here. So there's a lot less in terms of sugar put into stuff. I'm like, <laughs> it was never easy to do. Whereas this, you can literally just scan barcodes. You can search. It, it comes up with almost anything, uh, which is really really nice. And it it keeps me on track. So that in sort of partnership with my Apple Health thing, whatever the app is on the on the iPhone, I've been able to log stuff. So I'm logging things like caffeine intake. I'm logging the different drinks that I'm having, the small amounts of alcohol that I manage every month get logged in there. It's just a really nice thing to be able to look and check things and see. So it works really nicely in partnership with my actual, my Apple Watch, which has all the the health fitness stuff on it too. So I'm able to get all the stats from like VO2 max and my step length and my heart health and all that kind of thing alongside what I'm actually eating to get there. So it's, it's quite big picture you get to see which i quite enjoy so it's my new way of of focusing in on on being healthy is being like well what about numbers what about data what about silly charts and graphs and things like that so it helps me feel motivated and it also pulls all the data from exercise directly in so it's good that i'm I'm started running so i'm doing the couch to 5k so i'm running sort of three times a week now which is nice and it, it pulls those in and puts them against then your calorie offset for the day so It's quite a cool system and I'm enjoying playing around with it, but it's definitely impacted day to day. I literally use it every meal, every day at the minute, just to kind of get in the swing of it. I'm not sure that'll be consistent forever, but it's certainly
0: working right now. Wow, that's impressive. Running three days a week. I was just wondering who's chasing you three days a week. (laughs) <laughs> it's different people. It's sort of a rotating uh, who's who of local folk. <laughs> My definite exercise is dragging the dog around the neighborhood and calling it a walk. Or <laughs> <laughs> carrying.
2: It. Well, yours is more more like weights. You know, you're lifting the dog, whereas mine is more
0: cardio and the dog decides to go and I kind of have to go with them. <laughs> I like the idea of it being a localized app. Mm. We have the same problem in Canada that there is the border wall, if you like, between us and America. Yeah. And a lot of things, you know, Trader Joe's, for example, doesn't come up into Canada. So I have, even though we're, you know, next door neighbors, I have a lot of the same challenges that you do Mm. uh, in terms of finding the same brands. We have Canadian localizations for a lot of things. Yeah. I really like that idea. I'm going to have to actually check and see if there's something like that, that has a Canadian localization. I'm guessing, stew on a small island in the Mediterranean, you're kind of screwed on this one, buddy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I used to use MyFitnessPal yeah. in the UK. And I mean, it's a great app, and I, I know it's changed a bit now, but <laughs> the thing that used to make me laugh, and I'm, I'm, I'm slightly embarrassed by this because I'm thinking of another example, but if you put in a mixed salad into MyFitnessPal, you get pretty much everything from 105 calories to six thousand. <laughs> this one's covered in cheese and bacon fat. Yeah, the aforementioned sort of Trader Joe's mixed salad has got you know a cow in it, that sort of thing. And so, so inevitably, my selection of dishes became sort of very biased. I mean, oh well, I, I had a bit of chicken and uh, salad, and yeah, uh, oh, there we go. That's uh, that's forty six calories. Well done, me. <laughs> you look at the reality of it was this massive plate. It's like. um it's, it's like the Apple Watch tracks activity. And so when I go to walk with the the dogs, that's fine. I do outdoor walk and it, you know, it just increases the amount of monitoring it does, I think. And it has one for golf, but it doesn't specify what type of golf, because there are three real ways of playing golf. You can have a little bag that you put on your back and you can walk around, hit your shot, pick up your bag, move to the next. You can have an electric trolley, which carries your your bag for you it sort of takes the strain off your back, or you can sit in a little buggy and drive from ball to ball and so at my current golf club you must use a buggy that's the only way to play the club and i start my watch yes i'm playing golf and at the end of four hours it goes oh you've burned 10 million calories and blah blah blah. <laughs> and then sometimes i don't start my watch and it just sort of measures as if i was doing what i normally do which is sit at a desk and occasionally walk and guess what the calorie burns about the same as when i sit at my desk and occasionally walk because that's pretty much what i'm doing nevertheless i religiously put on the monitor when i get out oh yes i'm playing golf oh look at that i've burned three thousand calories more beer bring me more beer immediately so that's my problem
0: i'm just thinking if i could get away with that with mini golf you know, me a putter, a little coloured <laughs> golf ball. Yep, I could be really in shape in no time, according to my Apple Watch.
1: According to my fitness pal and Apple Fitness, I should, in fact, be about seventy-five kilos. <laughs> Unfortunately, I've got a leg that weighs about seventy-five kilos, so it's it's not working for me. Apparently. I may need to consider eating less and moving more. Oh, the horrors. <laughs> All right, Stu, let's move on
0: from this this diet talk. I mean, geez. Heavens. What is your tool of the week this week, Stu?
1: Well, mine's a continuation from last week. So I mentioned that I'd been day theming insofar as I'd started ascribing days to types of work. So Thursday, today, as we record, is my talking day. So this is when I record stationary Jason and... 1857 and well today i'm recording them both at the same time clever me ultimate productivity that's it (laughs) and i also record writer interrupted which is the podcast study for members of my website which justin ray kindly edits and this is when i have two three maybe sometimes even four microsoft teams calls uh, which are the bane of my life (laughs) (laughs) but because i'm in a speaking mode i find them uh, i suppose less offensive because I I sometimes feel that talking isn't really work. (laughs) I feel a bit guilty about it. (laughs) But now that I've sort of said Thursday is for talking, I can talk for Britain on a Thursday. You should see about on a Friday. I'm really grumpy. I don't speak to anyone. But Thursday is my talking day. And I've now sort of filled in the rest of the week. So Monday I write, and that will be blog posts. It'll be Uh, my novel. Uh, It might even be corporate worky-worky stuff, but the focus is around writing. Tuesday I sell. So that's when I phone people. That's when I have meetings around the different things that are that I'm involved in, but it's all about selling. Tuesday, the focus is on selling. Wednesday is numbers, so that's my Justin day. That's when I get okay. involved with some some Excel spreadsheets, do a little bit of you know number wrangling, different accountancy packages, all that. Try and keep on on top of the numbers. Uh, Thursday, talking. Friday, I call tidy up, um, which isn't physically tidying up. Well, it's a little bit, but mostly it's about loose ends, things that need to get finished off. Doing a review of the week, I'm, I'm really, really trying hard <laughs> to make that a regular thing, and I'm finding it really useful. It's it's sort of it's like autopilot. So I come down. Oh, it was Tuesday, so I must be selling.
0: Ooh.
1: You know, it, this is a very young system. I haven't been doing it for long. It may disappear next week, knowing me. But I am finding, it at the moment, it's a good way of making sure that I'm spending my time where I think I ought to be, and it makes me much more disciplined about turning things down now it's not a hundred percent thing i mean on many of these days i play golf as well (laughs) so it's not i will for 24 hours do nothing but this one activity (laughs) it's just where the focus is for the day Mm -hmm. and i have to say touching wood it's working pretty well for me
0: are you doing any type of time tracking uh, to see what your results are for each day just out of curiosity
1: yes i do i use timery which sits on top of toggle and most of the time i'm pretty good with it and then other times I completely forget about it for three days. I'm sure I am to everybody, but when you get busy, mm. suddenly I've, you know. I've Systems fail. Yeah, I've moved from 9am from I'm doing this to, oh, it's 7pm and I've kind of done everything. And my little timer.
2: I just love the idea. I love the image of you sitting, you know, and someone comes over to you and like, hi Stu, could you, pop, pop, pop. it's not Thursday,
1: go away. Yeah, <laughs> well, <laughs> what, what I try and do is, um, because the jobby job people, um, you know, that they, they, they can be uh, people listening will know this, you know. Uh, bosses can be quite demanding. It's like, um, <laughs> Stuart, I'd, I'd like to have a meeting on Monday. Uh, and I just turn around and go, no, nope, don't do meetings on Monday. Wait, like, what? I don't do meetings on a Monday. Oh, um, well, could, could we meet on Tuesday? Well, you're stretching it a bit, but okay, yeah, we'll do Tuesday. <laughs> and okay, I'm in a very privileged position that I can do that sort of thing. But when I explain to people why I do it, most of them are pretty understanding, actually. Um, this is one of those those great things that if you turn around to people and say, look, I don't do meetings except on this day, that day, and that day, pretty soon they get used to the idea of that's when you do meetings. They're Pretty relaxed about it. Mm, very cool. Um, well, I think they are. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll find <laughs> out soon enough. What about you, JT? What are you working on?
0: So I got an app this week. I was in set up for something completely different. I think it was Mac power users and found a app that I had never seen before called Speako. It is a public speaking Mac app and I wanted to try it because I record early in the morning, my time, and I'm not always particularly warmed up my voice. You know, that amazing voice that I have, unlike Stuart's, of course, Uh, I'm joking, Mm -hmm. touch of sarcasm there. Um, but this app has breath exercises to warm up your vocal cords, specific exercises to help your enunciation and your speaking. And I was really impressed with it. And so I, I tried it and it's got some really, really neat tools in there. Everything from relaxing body language to making silly faces and silly noises before you get into podcast recording of course i didn't do any this morning because i was running late playing with said dog dragging her around the neighborhood but you know it's it's a theory that i'm going to try some of these and see if i can improve my speaking voice
1: Mm. oh wow very good cool warming up your voice is as important as warming up any other muscle it's just muscles Mm -hmm. and i'm sure tj is warming up before he goes running i've heard talk of this exercise i've never really (laughs) seen it and likewise even me the the antidote to fitness, if you like, even I do a little bit of stretching before I play golf because you know if you if you strain muscles then you you can't you can't finish the activity you can't do it mm-hmm.
0: pen and ink of the week or pencil because uh, we have T J
1: <laughs> got a pencil going. yeah
0: so T J do you use pens at all I'm kind of curious
2: I know I, yeah I, I mean <laughs> I'm not incapable and I, I do have them I just. I mean, pens for me immediately conjures up images of fountain pens, right? It doesn't conjure up ideas of like a ballpoint or a biro. Mm-hmm. I would tend to use more ballpoint and biro than anything else if I have to use a pen. But generally speaking, day to day, if I'm writing, it's a pencil mm-hmm. because that's what I've got. I mean, I literally have a drawer full of them. Uh, there's one pen in here, which is a Koi coloring brush pen um, by Sakura. Oh, mm-hmm. I don't know where it's come from. Very practical for daily use. Yeah, nice and flowy and illustrious. And it's a nice pen, but I don't ever really use it unless I specifically go out to use it. Whereas everything around me is pencils. I just have pencils all over the show. And so that's what I grab when I go to write something. Mm -hmm. And I enjoy it. I like being able to erase it. I like that it's a lighter mark. I like that I can kind of, they're not messy, right? I mean, maybe for lefties, they're a bit worse because you're kind of leaning over yourself. But for me, I can write in sort of a normal hb or firm pencil and the pencil will stay it doesn't smear it doesn't like get messy or grubby and i mean pen will do that it doesn't really matter what the pen is it can do that so i've never really liked it and then doing wooden graphite kind of sealed the deal in terms of like it's kind of the thing that i do now so i might as well keep leaning
0: into it cool so what pencil are you working with this week if you don't mind us asking the difficult question (laughs) yeah no actually i don't like talking about
2: this this is a very personal no Um, i'm using the nearest notes 2.5 firm which is the same one i've been using for a week or two nice that claire sent me it's lovely it's really really good made by musgrave and full hex which i really appreciate so proper hard-sided edges on the hexagon this is as important as all the nonsense that pen people get into like it's got a good hand feel it lays down a good thick stroke with a broad nib or something. I don't know. But it's a nice pencil. I'm really enjoying it. I love the color. It's that kind of nice Ferguson gray color. And this one is probably, I don't know, a centimeter or two from Steinbeck. So it's oh, almost nice size. Uh, small enough to be golf pencil. So we're not quite there yet, but we're, we're on the road. I sharpened before we started, so it's it's losing uh, centimeters by the day.
0: <laughs> have you tried these yet, Stu? I mean, they are your pencils, but...
1: I've not had one in hand. Mrs. L was getting a little bit excited earlier because she has spotted that there's a UPS delivery in the calendar, which is a, it's a sort of holding thing in the calendar, saying, <laughs> it's about now that I should I should be getting a, a Claire package. Mm-hmm. So... I guess exciting for for Mrs. L because she then decides to order a whole load of stuff that gets delivered to the office and then Claire phones me up and says, What's all this? <laughs> it's also when I get a chance to to get out of stock, so I'll have the new field notes coming. The the 2.5, which I like to say I designed. I designed it <laughs> and then and then sent the link to Claire, who entirely redesigned it. You did the V
2: one that was binned in in sort of production, <laughs> and then the V two is what we all saw.
1: Exactly. I created the template for her to change everything. <laughs> um, that, that's essentially great,
2: Stu. that. That's all the things we won't use. Perfect. Thanks for finding those. <laughs>
1: exactly. So obviously, as this is a productivity podcast, I can say, well, that was just splendid delegation on my part.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's what they say. Do all the work yourself first, then delegate to someone else to do all the work again. Just 200% completion rate is really the goal that, here.
1: That's what we call productivity in this neck of the woods. Okay. <laughs> do everything twice. So no, I'm really excited because I really wanted a good firm pencil. <laughs> um, I, I I do like firm lead. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. And hopefully it'll be a week or two. I imagine package will get here. Mm. Once I
0: move and have an address where I know that I can actually receive things, I'm going to have to give that one a try as well. It looks pretty neat from what I've seen so far.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. and I don't want to sell Nero's short, but I think you're going to find a whole load of people doing collabs with with musgrove because i mean they're so good to work with um they, they make it so easy
2: it's gonna it's gonna be quite an interesting journey for that little pencil box whenever it leaves the factory in tennessee to fly all the way across the world to get to england to then fly all the way back across the world to canada
0: well i may have talked about this before tj but the only way i can get tennessee Reds is to buy them from England, from Nero's, because <laughs> for some reason, Tennessee has no idea where Canada is and won't ship anything above above the border. I've tried. They've had like <laughs> wonderful hats, uh, the Musgrave hats that they did. Yeah. And the t-shirts are great. Yeah. I've had them in my cart so many times and I get as far as a checkout and they say, <laughs> Uh, No, you're a foreigner, go away. Yeah. And and so I was so pleased that Nero starts uh, carrying these so I can actually get access to a lot of these. Yeah. Uh, Up here, surprisingly enough, the Musgrave has almost zero market penetration. They are very, very rare to get. Mm.
2: It's a funny thing with that shipping because Northern Ireland Falls follow this quite a lot. Technically part of the UK, but there's a whole thing with Brexit going on at the minute, but it kind of it almost always falls into channels and islands is what they call it. So like the Scottish Highlands, sorry, Highlands and Islands, Um the Scottish Highlands are the same. It's like most couriers go, mm, nah, too far. <laughs> and so things that go free UK delivery and I'm like, okay, cool. And then they go, yeah, but but not you though. So sorry. <laughs> like I tried to buy, I was going to buy another HomePod uh, and it was a company in England. They, they don't have any stores over here, but they're a UK company they had it for like 79 pounds for the home pod mini i thought that's that's pretty reasonable i'll get one of those and then went through the whole rigmarole, did the whole thing and they're like oh you live in Northern? no but okay but i mean there's there's still post and there's couriers i mean can be we- no we don't do that sorry <laughs> oh right okay i mean a lot of stuff does come over here but sure
1: a lot of it doesn't <laughs> i don't want this to turn into the yorkshireman sketch but You think you've got it bad, all (laughs) right? If I buy pencils, if I buy pencils from Musgrave, I I then pay shipping to the United Kingdom where I get hit with VAT and import duties. And then Claire puts them in a package which I pay shipping to come here to Cyprus (laughs) where a Cypriot customs official assesses them for VAT and duty. Now, It is not written down anywhere how this assessment works. And in fact, only very special people can assess the value of items. (laughs) They channel the wisdom of the gods. And looking at the box, they decree a figure. And sometimes that figure might be three euros and sometimes it might be 275 euros. I've imported... (laughs) Literally thousands of pounds worth of Apple kit and paid no customs. Two t-shirts and six boxes of pencils, two hundred euros, please, sir. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I have no idea how it works.
2: Well, they're divinating the uh the sort of the ether. You know, they they, uh, they sort of let the the parcel speak to them, and then um, the yeah. number that comes back is the number you pay.
1: It's some sort of mystical process. Um, and <laughs> when I, I challenge the UPS guy, he's a lovely fellow. I said, so how do they work it out? And he looked at me, and he just did that thing that only Mediterranean's can do. He sort of shrugged and shook his head at the same time. And and just, you don't ask. You don't ask.
0: You could just imagine somebody with their magic eight ball, you know, shaking it up and down. <laughs> What's
1: this package going to be? At least you'd have a sort of limited amount of options there. <laughs> there appears to be no limit to the options these guys use. Anyway, I've, I've sidetracked it. JT, what have you been using as, uh, as pen and ink this week? All
0: right, so this week I went really, really eye-catching red. Uh, the Birmingham Pens Model A, which I've had for a few years. I haven't really used it too much in the last couple of years. It is called the Eye of Sauron, which is a red, uh, orange, yellow kind of swirl in the material. It's absolutely a gorgeous pen. It has a nemosign millimeter stub nibs or really really thin stub nibs do still wouldn't like it (laughs) but it does give a little bit more finesse to my handwriting at least that's what i tell myself and i put in it pelican star ruby i know you're a big pelican fan have you got the star ruby
1: yeah star ruby's a lovely ink yeah it's a lovely ink. it is
0: very bright it's got almost a a pink undertone to it which makes the red just eye-catchingly bright and when you use a bright red all week and only that uh, boy do you know which week you're in (laughs) everybody's getting bad marks in their homework
1: i've just looked at the um the review that you wrote for it on um right experience and some beautiful photos that's a lovely lovely looking pen
0: Part of the joy of this process of picking something and using it for a week is digging something out that you haven't necessarily used in a while. And this is just a really nice one. Mm. Have you guys heard of Birmingham pens? I know they're out of, I think it's Pittsburgh. In the US, they're a small, they're, small maker. It's confusing. <laughs> yes, I know. They're not out of Birmingham. Um, there's a lot of that. I mean,
2: it's a real uh, American thing I've noticed, especially in a lot of American media, where they go Paris, France. I'm like, yes, that was the Paris I was assuming. I wasn't assuming... Paris Detroit you know that wasn't there's a certain context Paris Texas yes <laughs> there's a certain context I'm assuming here if you show sure the Eiffel Tower I, I know we're in Europe uh but yeah no I haven't I haven't heard of this um I, I probably haven't heard of most pen makers to be honest
0: mm, that's true
1: yeah no I've I've come across them but uh they're they're nice pens I mean they're well thought of aren't they
0: uh-huh. yeah they were a physical bricks and mortar store And they closed down a number of years ago and started making their own ink or packaging their own ink. Now they're making their own ink. And part of what they started doing was machining their own pens as well. Oh, cool. And I think they're up to a Model C at the moment. It's just nice to see a family business. I think the father and two sons are all involved in the business and just making a good go of it by the sounds of it. One of the early makers, you know, there's a lot of makers out there now, hmm. but uh, sort of that artisan pen making. And I, I've really enjoyed their pens. Very nice. Yeah, very good. Awesome. Sounds cool. Anyway, Stu, what about you? What are you writing with this time, Stu?
1: Uh, well, I'm probably the opposite from a, a Birmingham Pens Model A. I'm, I'm using the humble Lamy Safari. It's in a sort of, uh, there's probably a really good marketing term for this, but it, it's a bright green it's got a medium nib, so you, you'd think it's a paintbrush. <laughs> and it's got a, one of their Lamy International, yeah, sorry, Lamy Super Duper, only we can use this cartridge type things. In a very nice blue, um, I suppose it, it's a Lamy. Um, that's what it feels like. The, the, the nib is probably too firm for my sort of high highfalutin tastes, but it's a really reliable pen. It writes very well. And I'm just looking actually at the the ink indicator, and I th- I think I'm going through this one. To be honest, I've been doing a lot of writing this week.
0: Wow, I am curious because that has a triangular grip on it, and you've been a southpaw. Mm. How does that uh, fit into your writing style? Are you comfortable?
1: It's not my natural grip, so I have to. Um, it's a, what do they call it? A tripod is the sort of mm-hmm. the classic grip this is made for. Um I have to amend my natural grip a little bit. TJ's got no idea what we're talking about.
2: I know how to hold a pen. I'm not, I'm not
1: that completely <laughs> out of the loop. <laughs> I know yeah, Well with th- with this pen TJ, you don't get options because it's it's literally <laughs> got sort of space carved into it. And if you
2: yeah, no no no. I've I've had triangular pencils. They do have a Relo triangle pencil as well, so I'm familiar.
1: Yeah, if you try and hold this slightly differently as I would normally hold a pen it sort of cuts into you like an X. It's, a,
2: <laughs> it's ergonomic, but only in one very specific way.
1: Exactly. I mean, my friend Amanda, who writes for Nero's Amanda Fleet. It doesn't suit her grip. And she has a passionate dislike for, for that grip and that pen. She just cannot get up with it at all. But I find it okay. I think if I had, you know, a long writing session, I, I might struggle. I might find it a little uncomfortable because it's not my natural grip, but, for you know the little bits and pieces that I've been doing, it's absolutely fine.
0: Mm-hmm. I have a similar problem because I'm a four-finger grip person when I write, mm-hmm. and it's just not quite as natural yeah. with that grip. You know, it's a nice pen. It's good for certain, certain uses, um, certain colors, certain nibs in it tend to write a little bit better. But it, it's certainly not the most comfortable for me as well compared to some of the other pens that you have and grips that you have and sizes that you have because you know we're talking pens there tends to be a little bit more variety for sure so when you say four
2: fingers i'm, I'm trying to emulate that do you mean like a quad pod type situation where you got like the three finger uh, say you're right-handed yeah so it'll be the
0: yeah i'm right-handed three fingers on your right hand yeah my not the little finger and then the thumb yeah, so it's the three fingers and the the thumb. So most people write with their uh two their index and their middle yeah, finger and their yeah. thumb. Uh, and I my other ring finger tends to get into the mix kind of on the bottom of it. Oh. Which I don't know why. I feel like that would just make me want
2: to put my pinky in the air like a fancy like kind of like writing like I'm drinking tea kind of thing. <laughs> oh, see. Now I'm going to have to try that TJ. Thanks very much. <laughs> might might make your writing even more
0: flourishy and and you know nice. You never know. Uh, It can't help but make my handwriting (laughs) any better than what it is. We are going to get onto our topic, which is how do you find the perfect system? This came as a question to the 1857 guys from the interwebs, Mm -hmm. which is system switching. Is it advanced procrastination or progress? And talking to Stu and TJ, we thought that this was much less of the fun 1857 and much more of a serious (laughs) stationary adjacent. Um, And I can tell you, this has not gone quite as seriously as we had expected, but it's been a heck of a lot more fun so far. So that's great. But really the question kind of comes into what systems do we use and how do we look at system switching? is it just another way to avoid doing any work or can it generate progress how do you find the perfect system i guess is a good question to start with Uh, tj the guest we'll put you on the spot right away
2: (laughs) i mean there is first first off you're searching for a fallacy there is no perfect system there's only what works well for you at least in my experience and Further to that, I would say that the 25% effective system that's wasting 75% of your time is still better than the 90% effective one that you've given up on. Uh So if you stick with the 25% regularly, it's still better than the 90% one that you do for a week and then give up on because you got to think of it as a, a long game. It's not about what you do this week because any context change in a week is going to waste time and energy on a system, no matter what the system is, you're gonna spend time on it that you weren't spending on the work. So if you find something that works, even if it's a bit rubbish, but works, keep doing that until you find something that you would stick to. Because in my experience,
0: it doesn't matter if it's perfect, it matters if you stick to it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very, very good point. And I think it comes back to something Stu said, I think on one of our first episodes, work is hard, no matter what system you have, you still have to do the work and work is hard.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Just, just let me give some context, okay? So I'm going to read you the question. The question came from Andrew Rice. Mm-hmm. Hey, Andrew, um, who listens to 1857. I'll read it verbatim. I was wondering if either of you have or would be willing to consider the topic of time management slash productivity systems from the perspective of choosing one or changing the current one without getting lost in the time waster of just researching endlessly time management systems if you understand what I mean. And yes, Andrew, I do. He goes on, I've been contemplating various things over the years, the bullet journal, the theme system from Mike Hurley, digital versus analog, etc. But still haven't quite settled and feel like looking in these things and for being more of a time waster than just getting things done. However, without anything, I do tend to still be a rather chaotic mess in getting my tasks done personally, as well as for work. And then he says some very nice things, which I won't read out because it just feels, feels wrong. I'm British after all. Um, but <laughs> thank you. Th- thank you, Andrew. It's a great question. And I think we might be brothers because I'm, I'm very similar in that I often think, oh, look, I don't need a system. I just need to get on and get stuff done. And then within weeks, I've what, semi-famously <laughs> forgotten to pay my car tax and get fined on the motorway. I think you do need to have a system. But there is also, and and this was really, really struck me because as I was thinking about this topic, I sat down to listen to the Focus podcast and the topic was toxic productivity, (laughs) which was productivity for productivity's sake, looking at systems, you know. I was like, wow, this is all a bit spooky. I think TJ's point is a really, really good one insofar as doing something that works for you is what's important. I don't know. Anybody that takes a system for and makes it work, everybody I know that does get things done, for example, has their own version of it. I use little bits of get things done, I use little bits of analog the system from Ugmunk that <laughs> Justin mm-hmm. and I both throw money at on a regular basis. <laughs> I use a sort of bullet journal, but not really. I use index cards, I time block except when I don't time block. So there's all sorts of things going on in my productivity system world, but it's, it's never fixed. Partially, I think, because I get bored. <laughs> and it's probably that simple. Yeah. What about you, Justin? What's the, Justin will have the answer. Justin will know this stuff.
0: I'm going to go back to 2001 and getting things done, the original version. The key to... GTD, is having a trusted system. And I think any system is good as long as you can use it, buy into it, and trust it. Which means that you have a system that you look at regularly, you use, you can get things out of your mind, and you know it's there. You don't have to regurgitate in your mind at 3 o'clock in the morning when you wake up to go to the bathroom. Oh my god, did I do this? Did I write down this? You need to have one system that tracks everything. And that's something I think that is the key to any productivity system. The rest of it is just how you prefer to work, but you got to buy into it and it's got to be trusted because it's the only way it gets it out of your head and into something that
1: you can rely on. Yeah. Yeah, I think you know the part of the problem that that I had was that Uh, Mrs. L doesn't use any lists, really. She doesn't use productivity systems. She uses the calendar. (laughs) And so she has a tendency to put things in the calendar that are essentially to-dos, which I know Justin is twitching just at the very thought of this.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, Justin is married to his version of Mrs. L. I understand this (laughs) completely.
1: Yeah, so she, she would put things in to the calendar and then see those as... She's one of those people that looks ahead in calendars, whereas... I, I tend to sort of look at a calendar and, and be surprised that tomorrow I'm flying somewhere. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I didn't occur to me to look at Friday. For me, getting, getting a trusted system that I could get Mrs. L to contribute to, eventually I gave up. I don't know how you've managed this, Justin, but what I've done is when Mrs. L puts stuff into the calendar that she actually means as a to do, I just migrate it or, or duplicate it in, into my system, particularly if it's something that I need to do. Because if, if I rely on the calendar, it very quickly becomes a car crash, largely because I don't look ahead. <laughs> and Merlin Mann talked about this at great length. It's, you know, There's no real point in putting the deadline into the, into the calendar if actually what you want to do is put the time that you're going to spend to get the work done into the calendar. The, yeah. Those are two different things. Something's due on a Friday. You need to schedule an hour on Thursday to do it. If you saw
2: me. <laughs> Friday is not relevant apart from the end stop.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Friday is just that little moment to go, which you know doesn't really help it get done.
0: Mm-hmm. Which system do you use for tracking that? Because one of the things that I'm I'm looking at is the importance of a system for me is not just a list of things to do, but defer dates and contexts are huge for my own productivity what do you guys use let's start with tj what do, you, what do you use for tracking things
2: so i i enjoy looking at how things are done and so I, i'm always kind of trying to improve it but at the minute the thing that i work best with is i've sort of dived headfirst into the apple ecosystem again and so i'm using all stock apps i'm doing the calendar for anything that's time based like a specific time and date And reminders on iOS for everything that is a reminder to be reminded about, not necessarily on a date, but it can be. The reason I've done that is so that Siri can pop into my conversations and listen on me when I'm trying to speak to my wife and assume (laughs) incorrectly what I'm trying to say. Uh, But it also means I can yell at it and get it to do various things. And it it appears on my watch and it just gets very handy. So the calendar is king in terms of our schedule. Uh, That's sort of our 60 seconds per minute passage through time exists on the calendar. So my wife does horse riding. uh, So she'll be out of the house certain days of the week. That changes. So she puts that in the calendar. And I know when she's in the house and when she's out. I'm in work certain days. I'm at home certain days. I put that in the calendar. That's how we track that. Deadlines for things like, oh, uh, this is coming up on this date. That needs to happen. Or events that we're going to. That all is calendar stuff. I also have a couple of different calendars for tracking other things that are specifically to a day. So I have a meal plan calendar. We do our meal plan sort of on a Thursday. So we did ours this afternoon and that's all the dinners for the week ahead. And then we just get enough stuff for breakfast and lunch that'll that'll cover it. And so literally just this afternoon, I was filling in my calendar. It's a sub calendar that is all the meals that we're having this week. So we both know what meal is getting made, what groceries need to be used in that meal, there's prep work to be done for that, I can jump in on that if I have time or vice versa if my wife has time. So those are all kind of the daily things. I also have one for life admin where I try and schedule in recurring stuff that exists in in the spectrum of time. So we got our grass done. We got a new garden sorted out. So I need to mow the grass on a fairly regular schedule. Uh So that's in the calendar on sort of a a weekly cutting schedule for that. And then I have another one for when to trim the edges and do this and when to water it. All that stuff, I think about it once. I put it in the calendar and then if I need to change the interim as to when it happens, I can figure that out later. So I was watering the grass basically every day for a week or two while it was put down fresh and now we've got a bit of rain, I don't need to do it so much and it's a bit more matured so I can take that down to once every three or four days. If it's been dry, give it a water. And so technically it's a reminder, but because it's a timely reminder, I find it, it better fits in a calendar. Everything else exists in reminders on the app. And so I have lots of different sort of lists in there. I've got hit list to do, orbit, defined project tasks, things like that. Uh, and they all are used in different ways. So orbit tasks are things like the dog's veterinary checkup that happens at a specific time uh-huh. every year or twice a year, whenever it is. I actually don't know because it's in reminders. And th- those are in there. There's a little bit of duplication sometimes with those things where they're timely, but they're also reminders and there is a, a where do you draw the line mm-hmm. to-do list is all the stuff that i need to do that can be anything from put the the recycling out to uh send a show note to stew there's some things i've tried to, to limit so there's regular stuff will have a different section than like oh actually i need to quickly there's a there's a bag of batteries on my kitchen table that i need to go and recycle that's a, a list an item on my my to-do list whereas the the hit list is kind of like, I need to do this today and I'll sort of migrate things over to the hit list. And that's kind of like, I'm on like productivity mode. So I'll put everything into that list, which is happening today, if it's just like a Saturday or something. And then I can bring it up on my watch and go, right, we need to paint the fence. Cool. Then I need to cut the grass. Cool. Then I need to do this, this, this. And that's kind of like the equivalent of writing a to-do list in a notebook that morning. That's my, that's my hit list.
1: TJ, TJ, listen. Cut the grass before you paint the fence. Just, just some old man advice there. <laughs> Otherwise, you're going to have grass cuttings all over the place. Yeah. Honestly, sorry, it just—I I couldn't help it. It just hit me. Not that I've got any grass to cut, but you know. The way. Uh,
2: but yeah, that—that's broadly what it is. I also use a lot of index cards, uh, little dot grid index cards, uh, which I largely use similarly to the hit list. So if I've got stuff in work that I'm working on or stuff for personal life I'm working on. I'll make a little list like I've got a couple in front of me that are kind of tracking various things or I've got one here we order all our groceries online and they almost always have fake stock outages so because no one's updated the stock alerts on their their back end it'll go we don't have any juice or we don't have any rocket or something like that and then you go back in our later and it will so I've made a list of all the things that we need to get later in the week and Meal planning is complicated. There's a lot, so much of my time is spent meal planning, <laughs> but yeah, that is broadly the two systems I use right now. And I know I could do an awful lot more. I can now I could do an awful lot less. This is what's worked for me consistently since ooh, start of 2020, I guess. And um, there'd been different sort of hybrids of that before, but since 2020 through to now, this has broadly been what I'm doing, and it works really well. It keeps me accountable, and it lets me see at a glance what the information is that I actually need. Mm
0: -hmm. Very good. Yeah. I do find it interesting because I know you were an Android guy for a while Mm. and you've sort of come back to iOS. (laughs) I I would say more recently, I noticed that you're using a lot more of the stock apps (laughs) than perhaps (laughs) do and I do. And that's not a bad thing. And it's one of those things when you were talking about reminders it was like, oh, yeah, that's the thing. And I know they've made some improvements to it over the years. And I have heard it's a pretty good thing now. I just don't even think to use it. Yeah. Uh, Stu, do you use any of the stock apps or do you stick on, like, I stick on OmniFocus, been using it for so long that I don't even remember what Reminders was like when I was into OmniFocus.
1: I use a lot of stuff and a lot of apps. And just listening to TJ as I was sort of working out what he was using for what looking at the three of us i think actually there's more similarity than than i might have expected there's there's that central piece of information you call it with the the trusted system which for you jt is is omnifocus mm-hmm. for me it would be things and i think for tj it would be the calendars yeah those are the sort of the, you know the bedrocks and then TJ's using reminders, which you're, I'm sure, getting from Omnifocus JT. And I'm getting partially from things, but I use a thing called Jew, which is described by every podcaster in the world as the as the app that nags you. <laughs> take out the trash, for example, starts at seven o'clock on because we have three trash days here. Um, it starts at seven o'clock saying take the trash out, take the trash out. And- it's the electronic version of my wife. <laughs> it just keeps going until I actually do the work that I have to do. And so for things like that, I use that. But I believe that Reminders is, is able to be more like that than it was in the past. Like you, JT, I sort of used Reminders for a while. And there was that one little problem with it, which was that it sometimes didn't work. <laughs> and if, if there's one thing you cannot have in a reminder system, is inconsistency. It either works or it doesn't. You can't have a fail rate. So I haven't gone back to it, largely because I only use DUE for, I don't know, six, six tasks a week or something like that. But they are ones that I would be prone to go, oh, yeah, yeah I'll do that later which is, you know, Stuart speak for, I'm never, ever going to do that. (laughs) I'm very firm that I will not say I've done the task until I've done it. Uh, And it means that the trash gets taken out and I don't get beaten to death by my wife.
0: I was actually thinking of that last night. My wife dragged me into going grocery shopping. (laughs) Not the TJ way, which would be nice, but (laughs) the old fashioned, uh, you're carrying the stuff out to the car type. And that was late at night. And I had a couple of tasks that I have in due mm. and I had my Apple watch on and you know what it's like every 10 minutes, your watch just goes off. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at it. It's like, well, I'll do those when I get home and I'm not going to be home for half an hour. And I made the decision much like used to just to let it annoy me until I actually got home and did the task and then could mark it off. Yeah. I didn't. Trust myself to say, <laughs> I'll get rid of the reminder and then do that, which is, I guess, one of the advantages and the disadvantages of do if you're, you know, if you're out at a movie or at the theater, you know, you're out there with uh, TJ and uh, Mrs. TJ and all of a sudden you were supposed to walk the dog and it's in do oh boy, you're in trouble. You're you're, you're going to be lighting up every 10
2: minutes. It's that dangerous thing where you're like, I'm going to tick this task now and then do it later. It's like turning Mm. off the the guidance computer when you're doing the the Death Star run and be like, I can do this manually. And you can't, you're not Luke Skywalker, you can't do this manually. You're going to forget it.
1: Just leave it on. Exactly. The force is weak in this one. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, my system is things, but there will be weeks when I probably don't look at it. Because for my day-to-day system, like most people, I think a lot of the stuff that needs doing is in my head, and, and I know it needs doing. Mm. I've implemented this, this day theme, so, you know, I'll sit on a Monday and I know that I need to write, and I kind of know what it is I need to be writing. I know. I have a couple of blog posts that go out each week. I have the novel that I need, you know, I've made some sort of promises to myself to, to edit uh, a certain amount of words each week. So th- that kind of automatically happens. For that, I would use analog. I'd use the index cards, the the today cards. Justin knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> TJ may be struggling. But analog comes with three different types of card. There's a today, a next, and a someday, I think.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I don't really use the next and the someday. I just use the t- today ones to sort mm-hmm. of I sit down. When I sit down at my desk, which might be in the morning, it might be after golf, and say, right, okay, what do I need to do today? And there are, there's a maximum of 10 things that I can write on that. And that that's what I will probably use to guide my day, and I may do that without actually hitting things because things will remind me if something big is coming up. It will it will shout at me and say tax return or you know got to complete the accounts for for one of the companies whatever that that stuff hmm. all lives in things, but it doesn't necessarily drive me every day. Does that make sense? Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. I do, I do. We'll will get into analog log because
0: I use mine just slightly differently. The daily card I use every day. I actually set it up the night before the next card. Uh, what I do is I set up one of those per week. So I will sit on a Sunday when I do my GTD review, which I do recommend anybody go through once a week. And I will set up sort of the big rocks that don't need a particular time schedule to them or a day scheduled, but things that I want to do in the week. They will come on that card, and they will get migrated. The Someday card, that is what goes into OmniFocus. That goes into different tracking. But yes, I, very much like you, use the daily card to focus my day. The GTD system, the OmniFocus system that I use, is the big picture stuff. Unlike you, I do look at it twice a day. I have a set of morning checklist that I do. So I have it that it pops up on my screen when I start work. And then about 15 minutes, half an hour before I intend to stop work, just to remind me to check all of these different things because of the different businesses that I'm involved in. There are certain things that I want to make sure get covered on a, on a daily basis, certain deadlines, you know, all of those. And having OmniFocus, particularly with due dates and with defer dates, I don't have to look at them. They just pop up automatically. I review them and then they can get migrated to my day-to-day list from analog. Mm-hmm. So a little similar, but just a little bit different. For sure, for sure. So how often do you change your system?
2: TJ, do you change it? I mean, I think I'm always open to changing it. I think there's, I, I've been reading an awful lot about Kaizen And the kind of gradual improvement, and Toyota kind of pioneered this with Mm -hmm. making cars and how you shave 0.6 of a second off putting a screw into a screw hole can then trickle down and be minutes spared and thousands of dollars spared on every car. And that concept applies to a lot of things. You're like, what isn't good? Like, if I'm using this system and it sucks, I'm going to try and make it less rubbish. And that for me is the kind of driving goal. I don't want to change everything because homeostasis is, is productive, You know something that is set in stone and you know how it works, you'll be quicker at it than something you're kind of guessing at how it works, you're changing it every other week. So if it sucks, I'll try to fix it. If something new comes along that is better, I'll switch up. I, I, you know, I, I'm not using an app because it's the app that I have to use and I couldn't possibly do it. I think you can quite easily run into sort of a dead end and go, okay, well, I want to be able to track this thing this way but the app I use doesn't do that, so I guess I won't. Mm. Like, well, if you want to track it that way, find something that works. Or maybe it's not that important. You know, th- there are ways and means to do almost anything. And I think if there's a, an improvement you realize you need and that will actually help you day to day, it's worth making that time sink investment in the beginning to then save that time later on. So one of the things that I, I started doing with the podcast and I've now just expanded to every facet of my digital life it's I put emojis on everything, and I really, really like it. It's really stupid. It kind of looks a bit dumb. But for me, if I look at my big calendar, so on, on iPad, it's just the normal calendar app. I open it up to the month view. I can see literally 30 days at a, at a stretch. Everything is an icon, and that icon has chosen to represent visually what it's talking about. So you can actually get pretty close to most meals in a meal plan, with an icon, with an emoji. Um, so if I have to cut the grass, it's scissors. If I have to get a haircut, it's also scissors. That's confusing. If I have to, one of my to-dos on my to-do list is recycle the batteries. You guessed it. There's a battery emoji. Things like that are little visual heuristics for me to go, oh, yeah, that's that thing. That's that thing. That's that thing. It's little shortcuts I can look at and go, I know what that is. That's familiar. <laughs> and also it makes it less imposing for me. So I look at a big, like the 12.9 inch iPad can show an awful lot of calendar at once. And you're looking at it and it's just pure text. It's like, Outlook. it's a nightmare. It's it's literally nightmare inducing. It looks like you've got so much to do sure. and all these things happening. Whereas when I make it a bit more approachable and fun and, and nice with the kind of iconography of emojis, I go, oh, look at all this stuff I get to do. Like, all these nice things I get to do. Oh, that looks like a nice, like, you know, we're going to the theater, we're going out for dinner with someone like those all pop up as little icons first. And then I read the text as the sort of the flavor for what that thing is. And that's one of the systems that I introduced. I did it with the podcast first. I started putting emojis in the podcast titles because I thought it was fun. And then I was like, well, why don't I do this for my notes? And so like our meal plans have a hamburger beside them. Just all of them do. Very cool. I get a lot of joy out of that. But also if I'm looking through my notes and I need to find something, the hamburger is meal plans. It's nothing else. So little things like that can be added in incrementally so for me it's it's always changing but i'm trying not to go good yeah yeah you mentioned that app. let me just bin everything i'm currently doing and try a new app and start fresh you kind of have to amend what you're doing or otherwise the productivity system you're using falls apart and i think it's kind of if you're in a boat and you're you're sailing from say belfast to america right you don't go, yeah, this boat is great, but I, kinda want, I like that boat. So maybe I'll just bin this boat, swim over to that boat and, and try that one. No, no, no. You, you fix the thing you're in, you work on what you're doing, and then you change it at a point where it's more reasonable, not trying to bail out halfway across the Atlantic.
1: <laughs> no bailing out halfway across the Atlantic. There we go. <laughs> no, I, th- I think you're right, TJ. I mean, I my systems evolve. I mean, I was just noting there how uh, JT was using the, the next card mm. and thinking. Mm, that sounds that sounds like a pretty good idea that sounds pretty smart yeah and that's how i like to evolve my system is where i come across somebody's doing something and that just appeals to me and that i can see the purpose i think okay well maybe i'll try and add that in and it may stick and it may not but i agree with you the there are times i guess when it's possible to say okay i'm just going to nuke can pave yeah and i've i did that after you know i started missing tax tax returns and not paying my car taxes
2: <laughs> if the system isn't working then you're not yeah. salvaging it by incrementally increasing like you're fixing something that's broken you know like put new tires and what is a burnt out car isn't going to help you get anywhere sure you might as well start fresh
1: the, you know i started off and i went into uh, a big sort of omnifocus kick and went okay and set it all up and then you know i guess after a month went no that's this is just not the system for me it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't do the things i wanted to do and then moved on again and then find a system that I can evolve. But what about you, JT? How often do you change your system? Are you?
0: I'm an evolutionist like you, Stu. There's a couple of reasons that I change. One of those is I'm always looking for something that works better. Because some of my things, you know, as you said, you find a weakness, you want to fix it. But more importantly for me, one advantage of evolution part of the reason that I enjoy looking at productivity as sort of an industry and as a trend and as a way to help myself is that it keeps things fresh. It is very easy to look at, oh God, I've got to check OmniFocus again and just pass up on it, skip it, because it becomes a chore and not actually something that helps you. And so I think that evolving what I do always keeps things a little fresh and keeps me engaged in the systems as well. A system is only as good as the use that you give it. And it's very easy, at least for me, to get into the habit of get bored of something and then all of a sudden... I fall off using it. Mm. You know, what I said earlier about the trusted system, if I can't trust that system, then everything falls apart. And that's the advantage of the evolution is by tweaking. I'm not redesigning my system at any point, but tweaking it and using it a little differently and trying a new perspective or a new tag or a new analog system really does keep things fresh and keeps me motivated to... Keep on with the journey, and also to be more productive in my personal and in my business life too.
1: Mm-hmm. Very good. Wow,
0: that came off all like
1: yeah, that was proper <laughs> grown-up stuff there, JT.
0: Ooh, that that was that was bad. I apologize. <laughs> uh, do we have any listeners left?
1: <laughs> well, before before we lose them all, then we should probably come up with some takeaways and tj tj you've done a funny haven't you tj <laughs> what's your takeaway
2: i did yeah I, I couldn't help so you know chinese indian kebab <laughs> on occasion fish and chips although i don't eat fish and never pizza we always make pizza at home i i wouldn't order a pizza because it's very expensive and i know how much it costs to make it <laughs> that wasn't what you meant
1: that wasn't what we meant no <laughs> uh,
2: do you have anything a little more related to a productivity system mm, probably i could probably conjure something up so Something that I find really interesting, and I've learned this uh, working with lots of different people, some of whom uh, would be more closely aligned with how we would do things with some sort of system or some sort of overarching concept of how it works. And there's other people that the notion of it is completely alien. The idea that you'd need something to manage how you do things doesn't compute. And for me, you know, we're all we're all people with spouses. Your system is only as good as You know, it it can work perfectly with you, but it can fall apart if someone else is involved because they have to then approach it like you do. Mm -hmm. So for me, the real testing point was like, I could conjure up all kinds of crazy, complicated workflows and and shortcuts and things that can help automate my life. But then Meg looks at it and goes, I'm not going to do that. No. And it's like, oh, right. okay, but no, right now I have to do three things to make it that it does one thing for me, for you, because you can't do the thing that I'm asking and so it quickly falls apart. And Meg does things in a very particular way. And one of the ways she does things, she just has a notebook. She has a big sort of like a like a moleskin kind of thing. It's not moleskin, but like a sort of big moleskin with a little um, elasticated binder thing on it. And I'm like, oh, Meg, would you remind me to do that? Or if you get a chance this week, could you pick this up? And she goes, yep. And she'll open the binder and she'll write it in on a day. And that's it. That's calendar, productivity system, Reminders, that's, that's everything rolled into one. She writes in pencil in a notebook once and that's it. And if she doesn't do it on that day and that day passes, she moves it forward. And this is as complicated as she would ever make it because she doesn't have any interest in the process. And so I, I find this really interesting in that I can spend an awful lot of time, energy and resources on how I'm going to do things. And that's, I think, the crux of this question. I could spend a day figure out how to do something that takes 10 minutes. Whereas Meg would have just done the thing and she doesn't need a system to to workflow and, and water flow and, and sort of organize how to do it. She just does it. And there's a lot of people that are like that in that the amount of time that I've invested in the beginning, figuring out how I'm going to tackle this task, they've kind of done by just doing it. I, maybe it's really inefficient. Maybe it's really backwards the way they're approaching it, but they get it done and largely in the same amount of time that it's taken me to conceive of the perfect system and then execute it. And if you look at the actual time involvement, we're broadly the same. So one of us has spent a lot of time and energy making a system to manage this thing perfectly and the other person's just sort of brute forced it and done it anyway. And I think it doesn't necessarily matter. When you're in industry, right, if you're building cars, the time matters. 0.6 of a second is important. Tiny incremental savings are important. If you're talking about like feeding the dog or booking a haircut or cutting the grass as long as it happens it really doesn't matter how it happened like if you're trying to live your life to this kind of incremental 0.6 of a second improvement I think you'll end up quite unhappy because you're chasing what is arguably factory improvements in your personal life I'm not sure it's healthy or helpful but I just find it fun I spend an awful lot of time trying to get this you know down pat and work well And Meg doesn't. And we're broadly the same in terms of productivity.
1: Yeah. yeah, I I think you make a very, very strong point. And sort of going back to Andrew's original question and and also the focused podcast, Toxic Productivity, there is an element of pursuing perfection for the sake of perfection. And if you're TJ (laughs) and if you're JT and if you're Stu and you like understanding the process and how it works and why... There's nothing wrong with, you can spend your personal time however you like. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with getting involved in that. And I'm doing it at the moment with Obsidian and Notes and working out how that sort of can help me and how it all syncs and it's all great. But it's not making me more productive necessarily. It may do in the future, but right now... I'm playing with the process and I'm getting something out of that and I'm enjoying it. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with that and you know my my note on on takeaway was procrastination like alcohol it is fine in moderation. Just don't overdo it. I was going to say fine in moderation and
0: fun in excess uh, never mind. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that too.
0: My thoughts on this is Find one thing that works for you and tweak it for your best needs. In productivity circles, if you read any productivity books, they generally fall into two categories. One of those been a prescriptive system that somebody is telling you, you must do this, you must do this, and you must do this, and then you will be somewhat productive. Don't blindly follow anybody else's system. Develop your own path that meets your unique needs. If it's something like Stu's, mine, or TJ's, that's great. If it's as simple as having a book like Meg's, that's her system, and it works well for her. Mm -hmm. You don't have to follow anybody else's system to be somebody else's definition of productive. So develop your own path, find things that work, but still develop your trusted system. And that's my takeaway for the day.
1: Cool. Another big thought. Wow. Yep. I tell you, you... You are on form today, JT. Well, wrap us up, and I can get out on time and not get beaten by my wife. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: So, where can people find us on the internet? TJ, you're a bit of an internet hermit.
1: I don't believe that.
0: Yeah, I've
2: I have sort of retracted a little bit from internet stuff. Um, you can you can go and look at my Instagram if you want. Team underscore Cosgrove. You can go and watch my videos on YouTube. Wood ampersand Graphite. And that's that's broadly it. I don't really do any of the social media stuff anymore. I don't, I don't know, just don't have time for it. i too busy trying to concoct different ways of tracking
1: my to-do lists. <laughs> and cutting all that new grass. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stu, where can people find you? Uh, you can get me at nerosnotes.co.uk or stuartlennon.com. You you might find me wandering around Twitter at, at Stu Lennon. What about you, JT? Where can people find you? Uh, You can
0: find me at You can also find my writings on stationery at writeexperience.com. Check out our show notes at stationeryadjacent.com for this episode. I'll have links to TJ's YouTube in there and uh, Stu's Twitter, if I remember, and all the links to all of us so that you can track (laughs) us all down and find out more about it. I'll also have links to 1857 so that you can find that most wonderful wonderful podcast. That is how we all got to know each other a little bit. Please like and review us on your podcast catcher of choice. We certainly appreciate your recommendations to your friends and colleagues. Our next topic, which is news to me, is obsessing with obsidian, which sounds something that Federico Vitici would be doing at the moment.
1: <laughs> I would guess. Until
0: then, goodbye. Yes, yes.
2: Bye. It's great to have you. Thanks so much.